Hello, my name is Rodney Dixon. This is a no self-control podcast. Um, let's just um I have a very special guest here, Deshaun Jameson, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you doing today? Cool, man. Uh, a lot of positive stuff have happened so far. And uh I think a lot more positive stuff is gonna happen. So I'm just gonna, you know, keep on keeping on. How about you, man? I'm doing great. Um I, I just I'm 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 really happy right now. The blue wave really just came in. I know the the you know the narrative is that it didn't go through because we didn't collect all of the Senate seats that we we're supposed to get. But I, I don't really care. We got Georgia and we got Arizona. Uh, it re- that's what really matters. We don't need to be cutting ourselves off by the legs, you know. Like um, I feel like the the future is ours now. Like, basically, if we can collect these states again, if we can take a little bit more Senate seats, we'll be in the right place. Yeah. So uh, we have another opportunity on the 5th of January where we can uh, go out there and show show Georgia that it's really blue this time. That's not a temporary thing. What do you think? Definitely. Um, I think that... Uh, we well, we really need just as many seats as possible, but what um I gotta quit like what do you think that in the future we'll be able to keep this momentum? I don't know. Um, this was a very special election. We had a lot of motivation. Um, again, so like I like to say uh, to Donald Trump, I think he ran uh, an incredible campaign. I think that uh, he did a really good job of galvanizing his supporters. And getting them out and getting them out to vote. Unfortunately, his strategy of telling people that uh, mail-in votes were not good <laughs> um, didn't, you know, wasn't a very sound one. But like I said, man, the dude did a really good job. He uh, he worked really hard, um, and he was able to get, you know, over seventy million votes, the most ever, the second most ever in the history of the country. The unfortunate thing for him, at least, is that. The first most was the guy who beat him. So I hear I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, my gosh, uh, Donald Trump got more votes than Barack Obama. All that shows that he has really good judgment, that he picked the guy who got the most votes ever. So uh, shout out to Joe Biden. He did a really good job. Shout out to black women all over the country who set it all off. Shout out for uh, the Latinos and Hispanics, people who are part of the Latinx community. Shout out to them because, you know, without them and everybody else who turned out, we got about seventy. We got about seventy-five million right now in counting. We're leading about four million. Uh, we we hadn't won um, Arizona, and I don't know long ever. You know how long um, it's been. We haven't won Georgia in about twenty years, twenty-eight years. Uh, we flipped Pennsylvania. We flipped Michigan. We flipped Wisconsin. The blue wall is back, um, and we may even win. And, we, and we're probably going to win Georgia. We're up seven thousand votes right now. What I'm saying is. What's so funny is that this man, Donald Trump, I mean, spent the entire time talking about Joe Biden is incompetent. Joe Biden is, can't speak. Joe Biden is not all there. And this is the guy who ended up beating him by like not a little bit, but a lot. So I think that um, he I think when he found out he was on the golf course, he came back to the White House. I know he's incredibly upset, but it is what it is, man. You can't win them all. And uh I think this is a very happy day for 
the not plurality, but the majority of Americans. Uh, and for the others, um, I think Joe Biden is going to pre- be a president for you, too. So um, I know you I know I for the all the Donald Trump supporters out there. I know you're upset that uh, you didn't win. <laughs> and that's and that's not a dig. That's not a dig. I mean, uh, we didn't win last time. But I think you should be very happy with what you were able to accomplish. You were able to achieve history uh, through all that controversy, through all the uh, the media being against you and, you know, often fabricating stories. You were able to, throughout the odds, get the second most votes, the second most amount of votes of any presidential candidate in history. But it wasn't good enough. You lost about four million and... Uh, Joe Biden won by the same margin in which you did last time. So at the end of the day, it's going to be 306 Joe Biden and uh, 232 uh, Donald Trump, which is the exact opposite of what it was in 2016, where he had 306 and Hillary had 332. That's poetic justice, if I say so myself. What do you think? I think it's more than poetic justice. It's, uh, um, I think that when you look at the uh like two hundred thousand people dying, you know. Um, yeah, when you look at over two hundred thousand people dying, I think it's really hard to kind of deny that fact, man. Because truthfully, I think that many people can't have that much stuff to that many families can't have all that stuff happen to them, and people just not react. You can't conduct yourself in the way that he's conducted himself for the last uh, three and a half years and think that nothing's going to happen. You can't say all the things you say. You can't have the policies that disproportionately affect a large, a very large portion of people and think that things are just going to be sweet. The fact of the matter is this. Donald Trump ran a great campaign, but he lost. What do you think, Roy? I, I completely agree. Um, I think that when you... I, the death um, is is enough for me. Uh, they, a lot of people say that you know Obama, you know, added three wars, but he hasn't added as many deaths as Donald Trump. I mean, it's okay. I, I get it. You know, um, we're we're so we're anti-war and all. I'm anti-war. You know, um, but at the same time, we have to understand that this shit is a lot more complex. Than we make it out to be, you know, um, Americans have not felt the amount of death that we felt during the Bush era. Is that fair enough to say? I, I don't, I don't know, but I definitely can say that. Um, I meant well, when it comes to uh, well, well, combat. Uh, well, I think I'm well, talking about combat. I, I don't, I don't know that number. What I can say is that we did suffer an inordinate amount of deaths, and I think when I hear the the Trump campaign, they made the excuse that. Um, it was an accident that, uh, you know, if only history was different, Barack Obama would have had, you know, a lot more death because 60 million people, uh, got caught, you know, got, got infected with H1N1, which we don't know is true, but that's what they say. So basically we have to live in a world, they want us to live in a world where we have to hypothetically, there was a hypothetical that Barack Obama, it would have been worse, it would have been worse under Barack Obama. But we don't want to acknowledge the deaths and the tragedies that we've had under Donald Trump. We want to live in a hypothetical world that Joe Biden's America, quote unquote, would have all the 
uh, all the, the pain and all the protest and all the rioting and looting that happened clearly in 2020 under the Trump administration. We have to live in that world. The worst thing about the Trump administration and the people around Donald Trump was that they lived in a world where they were living in a world of disillusion. Delusions of grandeur were off the charts. They wanted they wanted us to listen to what they say, not what they what not what we see, which was was freaking ridiculous. The fact of the matter is, is that the American people they gave a resounding defeat to Donald Trump. But the fact that the margin was so close suggests that we have a lot more work to do as a Democratic Party. Um, Joe Biden won today, but we have to work incredibly hard to work for those people so we can attract those people to our side. We have to convince them that our side is correct. So we have a lot more work to do. Um, and this isn't, this isn't over by a long shot. It really isn't over. Um, the fact that we didn't get the Senate lets you know it's not over by a long shot. I mean, um, right now, I believe we sat 48, 48, right? Um, and we need 51 seats to um, hold the majority of the Senate. So that means that we have a lot more work to do. I mean, um, it's ridiculous that we're we're not. Um, I mean, I still call it a blue wave. Uh, one of the things that makes me very angry. Well, not very angry. It, it, it makes me disnerved is that we call, we're not calling this blue wave. We won Georgia, not blue wave. That's ridiculous. Um, well, I think what they were saying with the blue wave is that we won not only the presidency, but we won the Senate as well, and we increased our places in the House. What we what we did do was we won the presidency, but at what cost? We lost seats in the House, but we've made some gains in the in the Senate. I think what's really going to be dependent on what we talked about at the, at the beginning, where we increase the uh where we win these two Georgia seats that will guarantee us a majority with uh with with Kamala Harris as the vice president um to break the tie so I don't know that's where we're at right now well um I I just I I just find um this I this is a beautiful day for me I'm not um I'm not sure but like I woke up really happy um especially when I saw we won Pennsylvania um, it, it's just the reason why, uh, here's the reason why I'm a Democrat. You know, I used to be a conservative and the reason why I flipped over is because I realized that the Democratic party are just hills. Like they, they have no principles anymore. Like I thought that we were trying to shrink the deficit and we were trying, like, um, what wasn't it? Um, remind me just Sean, was it not the Republican party? That was against bailing out Wall Street and against bailing out uh, the car manufacturers in, in 2000. They were against both. Now they stand for nothing. Uh, they, they stand for nothing. And that's the problem with the Republican Party. They have no principles. They have no morals. I mean, you say you stand by um, cons uh, Christian values, what, honoring our neighbor, you know. I, if I remember, didn't Jesus feed thousands of people with fish and bread? I think you're right. But I think what the issue with the conservative party is that you're right. They have lost a lot of their principles. But I can guarantee you that if they keep the majority in the Senate, they're going to be deficit hawks yet again. Because, again, 
their only goal is to get as much as they can on their side while obstructing someone on the other side because ultimately they just want their side to win. That's really what this boils down to. And whatever the whatever the donors want. I think what a lot of the Republican Party is, especially uh with the, the neo the neoconservatives, is they they placate people with these cultural these culture wars. Oh yeah, uh pro gun, um, you know, pro military, uh anti abortion, all that stuff, right? Against Roe v. Wade, all that stuff, right? But in truth, they sell out the American people. They sell out their constituents every time because they give out these bailouts, these tax cuts to uh, these these the, to the donor class. They make sure that these wealthy multinational corporations, uh, you know, do what they have to. You know, you know, they pretty much give like a get a free giveaway every single time. However, while you're struggling. While you're barely able to make rent, while you're getting put at your apartment, they won't pass a, a stimulus bill because they think it costs too much. In truth, they know that their donors, the people at the very top, are doing incredibly well while everybody else is suffering. But all they want to do is make sure that they are okay. They're okay so that you know, like, the rest of you guys can starve because at the end of the day, that's who they most care. That's how they mostly care about. And frankly, it's the exact same thing on the Democratic side, except that it's just not as obvious. It's just not as hard. Republicans don't give a damn about, frankly, anybody except the donor class. They'll act like they care, but in truth, they never did. And what's going to happen under a uh, uh, Biden administration? They're going to hee and haw. They're going to moan. They're going to talk about the deficit every day. But in truth. The Trump administration ramped the the highest deficit in American history, but no one wants to talk about that. All they want to do is again him and haw that the Democrats make so much money, but in truth, they do. They just don't want the Democrats to do it. That's just the truth. Keep it a buck. That would make me so much happier if they were just real. We want to do whatever we want to do, and we don't want the Democrats to do it. That's really what this boils down to. Plain and simple. I completely agree. Um, the, see, and the Democrats need to be harder on the Republicans. They need to, um, they need to choose their hot spots, and and I don't feel like they have. You know, like think about you know, healthcare, you know, uh, Medicaid and Medicare, uh, Social Security. We already know what the American people want and need, so let's focus in on that. You know, let's actually adhere. To what the American people need and want. I mean, you can do you can do that and like here's the thing that I'm not I'm not anti-capitalist, you know. I can come off that way, but it, I'm not anti-billionaire. I'm not anti-millionaire. I'm not anti-wealth. I want American companies to thrive, but at the same time, the middle class has to feel that same wealth. You know, it, it, everybody has to feel that same wealth. The, the very fact that this uh, virus has wrecked us this way just shows you how little they care about the middle and lower class. And I'm talking about the Republican Party. You know, honestly, I think one of the hardest issues, and I think one of the hardest things uh, for the, the Democrats, especially those who aren't very progressive, is that these cultural issues 
and that these race relations are important and there are factors. And anyone who tells you, when the conservatives tell you that it's not, it's BS. But I think one of the biggest issues that I think Joe Biden and everyone else, that's why he switched his solely soul of America to Park Avenue. I mean, from Scranton to Park Avenue, you know, because that was a class thing. Because in truth, you go to places like in Kentucky where people who work the job, um, you know, that were able to take care of their family for a long time. Now they're broke, they're destitute, they don't, they're not college educated and they can't leave. That's the biggest separation. We have a separation between those who live on the coast, those who are educated and can leave versus those who aren't and can't. That's really what it boils down to. And unless the Democrats are able to speak to that and make opportunities for those people, then it's going to stay this way. The Republicans are going to continue to win the legislature and we're just going to be shut out of the process and none of our agenda is going to be passed. In truth, we can win this argument because at least the Democrats are trying to do something. The conservatives aren't. But we keep seeding that ground and making ourselves the party of the suburban uh, wine mom, uh, the wealthy, and everybody else. I think this this is only the first step in retaking the presidency for the conservatives unless Democrats see that what they've been doing and, you know, this woke politics BS is not working. Realize, you know, figure out what's going on with that 70 million who voted for Donald Trump and figure out how to speak to them in a compelling way so that we can win them over and we can continue to win elections and not just the presidency, but can, but increase our share in the House as well as increase, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, gain the majority. We got to do that. And if we're not going to do that, then we're not serious. Oh, by the way, Pelosi has to go. Pelosi definitely has to go. Um, I don't think she's a strong enough leader. Uh, I don't think that um, how she dealt with Donald Donald Trump or Obama was right. Like, um, she's been um, far off every, every fucking chance she gets. And you can see it. Everybody, I don't... I don't understand how she's remained in this power so with her power so long. And what we and let me um uh change the uh, what what we're talking about a little bit. All right. So when it comes to the twenty twenty election, I think that the fact that we well, what do you think it means that we won Georgia? What does that mean for the future? Well, I'm I'm not exactly sure. For all I know, this could be a one off. But what I do know is that we were able to excite black people in an, in an amazing way. Um, but also, this was a presidential year. We all we always know that during a presidential year, um, during a general general election, uh, excitement, enthusiasm is way up. So my fear is that black people will get mad happy that we got the first woman black woman VP, and we got Joe Biden. And that we flip the state, that we won't do what's necessary to increase our majority in the Senate. I feel like a lot of people don't vote um, in the runoffs, you know, especially this one, because they don't really think it's important. This is the kind of crap that's going to keep us exactly where we're at. So my hope is that Georgia continue what is doing on the same path. We go out on January the 5th and we win in a really, really big way. 
But I need black people just as we did the same enthusiasm, the same excitement to go out there and vote for not only the black guy like we did with Reverend Warnock, but also Ossoff. That's really what it is. I agree. Um, We need to. And I'm not. I'm not. See, the reason why I'm a Democrat is not or the reason why I vote for Democrats is not because I'm a Democrat. The reason why I vote for Democrats is because they're the closest to what I want to see the future be. You know, and I feel like that's the problem with how, like, oh, I am Republican. I am, like, that. we we need to end, uh, po- um, what, what, what is it? Um, we need, party politics is bullshit, is basically what I'm saying. You know, honestly, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of sick of that nonsense. Whenever I hear people talk about that. It's always BS and it's always rooted in some idea that we are what we're not. Again, mostly when mo- mostly when people bring up that conversation, they're talking about a multi-party system. They're talking up and they want us to be a parliament so bad, but we're not a freaking parliament. We have our upper house actually works. It's not the House of Lords that basically is nothing but a glorified uh, debating society. Our our parla- you know, our prime minister is not, you know, is not our is not the speaker of the house. You know, the house doesn't pick who the leader of the of the of the country is. That's just not how this works. So if you understand that, then it doesn't make any sense to why they keep bringing it up. So like, I get what you're saying, and like, if you bring up the George Washington argument, I swear to you, <laughs> because. Even during his administration, the biggest divide was between Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton in his administration. So shut up. That doesn't make any sense. It never made any sense. So anybody who keeps saying it, shut the int- sh- shut up. Anybody who talks about multi-party partnership, we're we're not Europe. We have we have a democratic. We have a presidential democracy. We have bicameral system. Our president is is elected by the electoral college. Get over it. When. Know the rules. Win, win, win. All right. In some parts, I do agree. But at the same time, uh, I'm mostly talking about the best ideas need to win. Uh, so, like, we, the reason why I'm against party politics and stuff, like, I'm, I am a Democrat progressive. But at the same time, it's like this. It, it, the best ideas need to win. That's just bottom line. It doesn't matter if they're conservative. It doesn't matter if they're liberal. We need to be pro-America. You get what I'm saying? Like, uh, in party politics, pro-America. Whatever will make America better, we need to do. Um, Not only that, we need to get to a point where we're... Science needs to be overall. I mean, um, this is not up for fucking debate. If um, If we're really about our shit and we really want to make America better... We need to improve our education system. Facts. I mean, our education is shit. We're like 35 on the list. We're not we're not number 1. We're not never we're we're, we're never I'm pretty sure we're number 35 on the list of that is unacceptable. The fact that we're number 1 when it comes to corona just like, under India. India is number 2. And um this is no, uh, um, I have no uh, vices or no convict. I have no problems with Indians or anybody who is of their culture. But that, to be honest, they're not really on our level. 
You know, those people aren't, uh, I mean, they're not a first world country. They, they're they mostly manufacturers. It, it's just like, they, I mean, they, they're, and they're not, they, sh I guess, they, when I'm basically born on, like, Brazil and stuff like that, and all these other countries that are, like, dying from COVID, it doesn't make any sense that Donald Trump is this far along. We, we well, need... Well, the way I say it is, man, um... I think we. I think today we took a, a step in the right direction. Uh, frankly, I know this may seem controversial to some people, but climate change is a real thing, and we should actually tackle it. Science is not the uh, enemy of the people, um, though it's though the media is supposed to be antagonistic. The fact that he was in, he was attacking the media the way he he the way he did, I think undermines our entire system. Um, so I think. All the negativity that Donald Trump pushed for the last three and a half years, I think we're. I think we took a step in the right direction to maybe get back to in, in a negative feedback to get back to that homeostasis that we're talking about. But um, we, we got a lot more work to do because Trump has done irrevocable damage. But we got to figure out why he got there in the first place. And if we're not going to address that, the new Donald Trump is going to be smarter, be a lot more tactile, be, you know, be a greater thinker and be able to execute every single thing that Donald Trump wanted to do, but had no way to. I, I have a uh, quick question for you. So, all right. So do you think the conservative media will become more liberal? Because as we know, uh, Disney has bought Fox. Um, uh, is, is his name Christopher Wallace? Yeah. Chris Wallace? Yeah, Chris Wallace. Um, uh, he's he's kind of batting for us a little bit. You know, um, bridging the gap, if it will. Do we have more, like, do you think that a lot of things will become a little bit more um, formal or a little bit more uh, balanced? Well, Chris Wallace is, is still a conservative. However... Donald Trump just sucked. I think that was just a universal fact. So regular conservatives compared to Donald Trump was like, what? what is this guy talking about? So I think, honestly, um, I think they'll rethink the way they think about uh, politics. I think they'll embrace, um, I think they'll think uh, embrace uh, more, con you know, uh, populism. You know more populism in like the, in like a more conservative way. Um, I think I think I think they will. I don't know about more liberal, but I do think they're going to be a lot more willing to appease people and give to more people because they understood that the reason why Donald Trump was uh, was able to be so successful this time was I mean this last time uh, you know in 2016 was was because that he was able to talk to the steel worker. He was able to talk to poor people who I was talking about in Kentucky. He was able to talk about the poor, the rural, in a way that nobody ever could. And frankly, he did that in this election. It's just that everybody else was just like, nah, B. Uh, I think that's completely true. But not only that, he's felt those people. Um, we need to be completely like, but it, I think that we need to talk about why Donald Trump and Obama failed um, in so many places. Uh, well, let me start off with Obama because I, I love Obama. You know, um, he's one of my heroes. But at the same time, as a leader, I think he was kind of meek. 
You know, um, and Donald Trump was strong, but he was strong in the wrong areas. You know, like um, I what what I don't remember all of his um. It it was this just the dismantle of Obama's policies. You can't run, uh, uh you can't run your administration based on dismantling another one. Yeah, yeah. like you gotta, uh, like because then you don't have your own identity. Like your identity is anti-Obama. I think that was. I think you know. Aside from uh, everything else, I think that in many ways he was anti. He was like anti-Obama. Um, and I think this time around, when you don't have, you know, Obama there, you kind of saw that he was talking about really nothing. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he wasn't keeping in line with that economic, um, you know, populist message that he was talking about last time. He wasn't talking about any major issues. He basically went classic conservative, uh, classic culture wars. And that's pretty much all his message was. The left is crazy. The left will take it over. The left, will, they're going to take your guns. You're not going to have schools. You're not going to have church. Cultural issues the entire time. At least with Obama, he could, you know, speak about a lot of the issues uh, that were happening uh, when he was on the outside. But once he got on the inside, he saw the infrastructure and he changed and into a regular conservative. And I think everyone knows that no one really likes him. <laughs> One hundred percent. Like, uh, and I, I felt like it was just so weak. Uh, one of the greatest things that I saw during this entire thing was the the debate, because we saw how equal they were. It's not really that different. Um, I mean, it really is different. But at the same time, you you understand what I'm saying, right? Where we, I, I cognitively. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it's kind of like. You kind of seed at the ground too much. It's like I go out and I say before our debate, three months in advance, Roy is stupid. Roy can't even string a single sentence together. <laughs> He's a moron. Nothing he says make any sense. And frankly, I'm surprised they even allowed him on the stage. That's what he said. Right? And, then... and then, and then, we see him in person. And you set the you set the standard so low that frankly, all this person has to do is not drool himself, implode, <laughs> not pass out, not not crap their diaper, and they they do okay because you set the bar so low. I remember in the last couple of weeks of the debate, I'm mean, right before the debate, the last couple of days before the debate, we were like, you know, actually Joe Biden is a really skewed debate, but it was too late. You lay the foundation down so low that all he had to do was not be, frankly. He just had to shoot a field goal. He basically did. He, yeah. He, I mean, I mean, he basically just had to move a couple yards on the field, not the whole field, not a first down, just a couple yards on the field, because he's basically let's football a football metaphor. Donald Trump made it so easy that he was that he was second. That he was third in inches. All Joe Biden had to do was just make those inches. And that was it. That was it. That was it. And now Donald Trump is sad. His supporters don't believe it. They're flabbergasted. They're claiming it's fake news. It doesn't really exist. They're fighting. They're losing all these court cases back to back. 
they even went to the Supreme Court and in Philadelphia to stop the stop the count. Not only do they not stop the count, they said that what the Democrats were doing was right. So he lost the election fair and square. The lawsuits are nonsense. Even in the recount that's going to happen in Georgia, at most it's going to change a couple hundred votes. But Joe Biden is literally winning by almost 8,000. 8, <laughs> so sit back and relax and understand that you can't win them all, B. Hey, you tough, right? <laughs> you tough, people right? People die every day. People, people lose every day. What the fuck, you stupid? You know? I'm joking, bro. It doesn't matter. But um, that that's the bottom line. Um, I, when we're dealing with um, policies, when we're dealing with um, politics, in this way, we need to be very careful, you know, um, that, that, that's the problem with Donald Trump. He's not careful at all. You know, he's reckless, mad reckless B. And not only that, it's like people are talking about, he didn't create any new wars, but he definitely continued the ones that were. So you attack Obama on the fact that he continued these wars. Right. But at the same time, we got to realize a lot of, I, I don't, uh, I, there's not really uh, a lot of, uh, the same record loss of lives as when uh, Bush was in office. I still think that it's funny that they want us to live in this hypothetical world that all these stuffs could have happened under Obama and they could happen under Joe Biden, but they don't want to accept the reality of what has actually happened under the Trump administration. This is what I'm talking about. This incessant... Uh, this incessant childish nature, petty nature that the Trump administration had. Frankly, I think that well, the ideas that he was talking about would never, st- uh, are probably going to stay around for a long time. But I'm very happy that uh, they're out of the White House because, frankly, I can't deal with that. They're not to drag them out of the White House. And I'm glad. I, I, I doubt it. I think, I think after, I think for the Christmas holiday, uh, he's probably not going to come back. I truly think that. Well, I, I well one thing that I really think here is that we just need to completely change how we think about politics. Because if we allow authoritarian rulership to come and rule in America, exactly. Uh, we will um, we will lose our democracy. Um, we will lose all uh, I, our, our identity. Facts. Um, not only that, but it's like it, we we um, one thing that I really loved about being conservative. We cared about the deficit when I was when I was a conservative. We care about the deficit. We cared about how much money we were spending. Um. Actual jobs. Um, they made it seem like Donald Trump built a lot of jobs. He didn't. You know, he's at a he's at a negative. He's at a. I think the last time I saw, he was at a negative five million jobs, <laughs> and he tried to take credit for the Obama economic boom, but he doesn't want to own anything again. I don't know who thinks this is attractive. It's not sexy. B. It's not to not take at any all. to not take any responsibility. To blame everybody else for all your problems. And it's always about you. You're always the victim. I swear, I better not ever hear a conservative call a Democrat a uh, snowflake a snowflake ever again. 
because all they did was whine and complain and point fingers and make excuses. And he, call, and he has the nerve to call himself a tough guy, a real man, an alpha man. He is a punk. And I'm glad that this is all over, man. And um, here's the funny thing that I want to say. All right, taking responsibility, paying your taxes, paying what you owe. All right, um, let's get, I want to get down to this real quick. And I was talking to you about this before, Deshaun. All right, so if you're so bad, if you're such a great businessman and all that, you should be willing to pay your fair shit. Like, if you are really, um, like, because... I've listened to the entrepreneurs, you know, like, because I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to make millions and billions of dollars. And I will make millions and billions of dollars. And um, I'm not going to be afraid to pay my taxes. You know why? Because I'm going to make more money. Because I don't, I'm not, I'm not a wuss. Yeah. You know, I'm not afraid of the challenge. Yeah. And if if we're really telling um, middle and lower class, oh, yeah, do better uh, to for the American dream and you need to work harder if you want to reach that millionaire status and billionaire status, then the millionaires and billionaires should have to pay their taxes. Again, what they want to do is they kind of want to promote a system where uh, the wealthy and privileged have one set of rules while everybody else doesn't. And uh, they want to make sure that those at the very top get all the benefits, all the privileges, all the money from the government, while those at the bottom get absolutely nothing. They want every, they want rugged individualism for those who are poor, while socialism, and you know, for those at the top. Um, uh, Martin Luther King said that. The fact of the matter is, is that keep that same energy, B. All I'm saying is I get what you're trying to say, right? You want everybody to work hard. Yes, but those who have issues, those who are in a freaking pandemic where so many people lost their job, they and like the government told them to get on unemployment, why leave them out in the cold, B? Why allow them to get kicked out of their house? Why complain about the deficit when, when you pick? 70% of our economy is private consumer spending. Simple, right? So doesn't that make sense that we put money in the hands of regular people who buy stuff to make sure that our economy can run well? No, we got to worry about the deficit. Our deficit never going to go down if we don't make no money. Just keep it a buck, bro. It's not about money. It's not about the deficit. It's just that you don't want to spend any money when it's not suiting you or your donors. That's what it is. And honestly, bro, if they were to just keep it a buck, if they were just keep it, keep it in honest, I would have so much more respect for them. I would still disagree, but at least they keep it real. Mm-hmm. And like I, I, and here's another thing: I'm pro corporations. Like as long as they pay their fair share, like because they make a lot of great things. You know, they Netflix is great, Amazon is great. We all use all of these things. But at the same time, they can, we can do both. We can have, that's why I believe in social capitalism, um, where we can give, put money in the hands of the modern citizen and grow our economy at the same time. We can grow, like, well, if you, if, if, if the modern citizen was given more money, they could spend more money. That means we could grow our own economy and grow the stock market. 
I mean, growing the stock market alone is not going to help us. Yeah. If we grow, if we can build the American dollar. So, I think I think the hardest thing about this whole pandemic was the fact that uh, I think it's dope that we were able to overcome and make do, but we were kind of left on our own for six months. Mm-hmm. Who thought that was a good idea? Um, they couldn't figure out a deal before then. Between March and July, they knew that this deadline was coming. However, they did nothing to make sure that they, they were safeguards. There were people who were like, people were making more money than they were going to begin with. I knew we had to deal with the pandemic, but let's not spend anything. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, man. At what point do you stop caring about the money and care more about the people? I think the last time I checked, money doesn't vote as people. And if your constituency is hurt, your people who rep- who you represent can't can't operate. You're not even doing a good job as a representative. And I'm just happy that we were able to do the first thing, get Donald Trump out. We have to finish the job on January 5th in Georgia to kick uh, dollar, dollar, dollar Dave, you know what I'm saying? In other words, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, who, who shouldn't be there anyway. Mm-hmm. So we, the job isn't done, man. We just got to keep working and we got to, we got to win. We got to can't, we can't stop winning, B. <laughs> and this time we got to be ruthless and not be so naive and just do what is necessary to win. We got to win. Because frankly, we saw what the conservatives did when they had the ball. What are we gonna do with it? That was fumble. Um, and that's the that's the funny thing about the conservative party. Um, they always couldn't fumble the ball. Um, as bad as they talk about um, Bill Clinton, he's he wasn't a perfect president. Uh, I'm not, but he 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 got us in the plus. Um, when we got and the economy does better under Democrat rulership. We know that. Let's just keep it a buck. Let's why are they trying? But here's a quick question. I know you're going to go. But why do they, why, why are people so dumb to believe that it will, the economy do less uh, or won't do as well under Democratic rulership, even though it does better every time? Well, I don't think it's a dumb thing. And I think that's the characterization that I think um, hurts Democrats. A lot. Because we make people who think differently than we do, uh, we demonize them. We call them stupid or deplorable like Hillary did. Mm. What I'm saying is they think differently because, not because they're stupid or they're not educated. It's because Democrats push globalism, which, and they push a more open society where people who, where jobs are shipped overseas, where opportunities are no longer here and conservatives especially Donald Trump were pushing America first they were pushing America first you know what's funny about that though which which is a really big deal because just like I talked about in Kentucky in the heartland where all those people had factory jobs were able to work these small jobs 
who didn't go to college. You don't have to go to college in America. Only 38 percent, 30 to 80, 38 percent of people go to college in the United States. But for the other 60 percent, we can't just leave them on their own, man. And this idea that everybody getting a college degree is going to help anything, there's absolutely nothing except exacerbate this this elitism idea that the only way you're acceptable is if you're educated, you're college educated. Not everybody has to go to college, and frankly, everybody going to college is nothing but uh, make our degrees a lot less worthless. So we need to provide an America where everybody, regardless of if you go to college or not, has an opportunity. And I don't think for a long time Democrats have been pushing that. They uh, definitely haven't been pushing it. it. And one of the biggest problems that we have in this country is education. Um, not only education, but um, the fact that you feel like you need to have a college degree to get anywhere. And even when you do have a, co- a bachelor degree, it's not over yet. You got to have a master's degree or you have to have a doctorate, depending on what your field is. Um, this is lunacy. Um and the very fact that in America you can't, it feels like you can't survive without it. Well, I mean, I think America is so freaking divided, right? Where if it's not only divided between those who go to college and those who don't, but it's divided among people who go to lower ranking colleges. Versus of those who go to well-known and elite schools. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember, because I went to a very small school um, a little while ago. And then, I, you know, and then I transferred to KSU. Full disclosure, I've gone to a lot of colleges. So hopefully that makes more relatable. But if not, that's the truth anyway. So I went to a very small school. Then I eventually went to a larger school in the Atlanta Metro. Right. Before I transferred to the University of Georgia, going from that small school to that larger school, Kennesaw State, um, I noticed that there were a lot more opportunities and I got like a lot more job offers. Right. Cool. I thought everything was cool. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I transferred to the University of Georgia. It was like all I did was switch. I've done a lot of stuff in my life. Right. All I've done was switch. KSU, Kennesaw State University, to the University of Georgia, and it was like they were flooding, they were knocking down my door to give me opportunities and jobs and internships. And that shows that it's not only a disparity between those who go to college and those who don't, because frankly, if I didn't go, if, um, you know, if I didn't go to that small school, um, at all, I didn't go to any school at all. My life would have been, you know, materially and marginally worse, right? Mm-hmm. So, just thinking about the difference between the very small school I went to versus the University of Georgia, and just how different my experiences and opportunities and internships and jobs and employment prospects is just—it just, just kind of shows that elitism pays while everything else doesn't, like. That's just a fact. The average salary of me and my major, which is consumer econ and applied consumer analytics, um, versus what I was studying at that small school, 
the pay gap for not only the same major is about $30,000. That's how much some people get paid today. And that's a good salary for them. The disparity, the difference between the average starting salary at that school, the, the small school I went to, versus the salaries that I've been offered today, $30,000. So I think if we're going to be real, we have to talk about all the disparity. Why does why did why why is it that our society pushes people like me or anybody else to not stay where they're comfortable, just get a college degree and just be done? Why do they have to go to Georgia or Tech or Emory or Johns Hopkins or Harvard to make it? Or just to live a decent life? That's the kind of country we live in. Uh, it's really telling. Like, um, you have to be that good to live a decent life in America. Um, uh, it, it's just unformidable, uh, the society we live in. Uh, I'm, when we talk about inflation, right? It's really deep here, right? That means, like, if you live in California, if you live in New York, if you live in one of these big cities like Austin... You you gotta be hitting probably fifty k at least, and even then you and even then you're hardly squeaking by if you're making fifty k in these places. Yeah, in truth, you know, honestly, I'm gonna keep it a buck. If someone offered me fifty thousand dollars for a job, I don't think I'd take it because that's not enough money. But why do I speak that way? Why is it necessary for me to make above fifty thousand dollars to live okay? And why is it like that? Because, again, what we talked about before. Because I know what the median salary is the, um, and the average salary for someone who comes from the school I go to and is even higher at the grad schools that I'm interested in, um, I won't take $50,000, which is frankly a little bit below the national average of a family of four. Mm. You, see, you see you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like it's like you know, and I was thinking I think I was talking to Roy, I think I was talking to you about this a little while ago. Think about it like this, right? Why did I feel the motivation to always go to a better school, like to not stop, to not graduate from a lesser school, um, and graduate from a higher ranking school? Like why did I feel that way? Because I understood that the economic uh, outcomes, that the likeliness of me making more, doing more, doing more, and doing better, were a lot higher at a higher ranking institution than those at a lower ranking institution. That isn't. That's not me being um, shallow or egotistical. That's just facts. That's just facts. I just I I knew that I had to do what I had to do to get where I wanted to be. And a lot of people may disagree with that, but I'm a black man in America, and I know that there's a lot of issues that I already have to deal with. Why make it harder on myself? Uh, I mean, that's exactly, uh, that's exactly uh, what I'm talking about. I mean, but that that has to do with a lot of shit. I mean, I feel like this world... Has everything out of whack? Okay, we understand that uh, we need to be educated. 
right? We understand that um, we need to be hardworking, right? I I don't think we're arguing against hard work, not arguing against ethics. It's just giving people a fair shot, their fair share. Um, like ima- imagine a world, uh, Deshaun, mm-hmm. where it didn't matter how you like how hard you worked, right? You could work as hard as you wanted to, and you only get a and you you don't get an, like and it doesn't matter how hard you work. You don't get enough. We're close to get being there. No matter how hard you work, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's sad, man. We gotta. I think there are some people who believe that people shouldn't have to work hard at all, and people should just be given hope into stuff. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there. But what I do believe is that we deserve a lot more at this point in America than for five for millions of people in the United States to be unemployed and the government not doing anything. Mm. I think we deserve the I think we deserve more than people having to go hunt like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to you know, just to get a job that pays sixty thousand. I think we deserve more than to work eighty hours a week just to pay for a one or two bedroom apartment that ain't even that damn big or nice. <laughs> I think we deserve. I, I'm not even talking about. I'm not saying that everybody should get the biggest house on the block. Everybody should get a car. Everybody should get a car. F that. I'm talking about the essentials. Why can't people just get the essentials? Why Why can't the gov Why can't the government put opportunity? I swear, if I hear somebody talking about if you te- if you got to teach me how to fish, so we have to let we have to back off and do absolutely nothing, so they figure it out on our own. The Bible literally says to teach the man how to fish. To teach, the act of instruction. The act, action, teaching is an active thing. Give them someone instruction. Give them someone provisions in order for them to know what they're doing. Not just hope they figure it out. And if they don't, so what? I heard a conservative. I was talking to him. He said that we're never going to solve the poverty problem. Are you at least going to attempt? No. They don't even want to. T- they don't even want to attempt. They just accepted a, f- a few couple things, and they thought that that was it. We can. We should never stop. Jack. What's the whole purpose of a government? Tax cuts? Waste time. Tax cuts? The the purpose of a government is the general welfare and the common defense of their people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get the common defense parts, and that's real good, but you're supposed to the general welfare. If people on welfare, we ain't doing a god we ain't doing a good job. Everybody broke, we ain't doing a good job. But here's the crazy thing. The rich are on welfare. Basically, you giving these people, you making um, people like Donald Trump pay zero on welfare, um, zero on taxes. taxes. You're, you, that's basically putting rich people on welfare. Yeah, we want to make sure that everybody who's rich gets all the money that they don't need, and those who don't, who aren't rich, who need the money the most, get absolutely nothing. It's just like all I hear is excuses from these people. All I hear is excuses. And if the Republicans aren't willing to truly have that conversation with those 
who they've had the the uh, the privilege of representing for such a long time, then the Democrats have to take that seated ground and get them to the table. That's really where we're at. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, and also, all right, so we got four minutes now. So we're going to just close it up. All right, so basically, let me summarize a lot of what happened. All right, so basically, Joe Biden has won this election. Whether you like it or not, that's where it is. And the reason why he has won this... Accept it. <laughs> uh, the reason why he has won the election is because he's more likely to come to the table. Um, he's more likely to break bread with everyone. Um, and we need to... Um, uh, and we need to come back to normalcy, even though I don't like the normal things that we were doing. Uh, um, I think that uh, don't some part of Donald Trump was good that we broke up and shook it up a little bit. But at the same time, we need to have com- camaraderie with all Americans. I mean, we're all here together, regardless of whether you want it or not. And, um, like, when we lost the election in 2016, they were like, your life isn't going to be that much different. And it really wasn't uh, through the Donald Trump period. The only thing that was different was this this man was breaking our democracy. I think that was the hardest thing about it, is realizing how fragile we really were as a democracy. Um, I think what Joe Biden can do is transform America in a very positive way. Not only the re-embracement of science. I think that was a, I think that was a, a made-up word. Embrace again science. Uh, do what's necessary to get our affairs back in order. Put money back in the hands of the American people. Yeah. Prioritize people over corporations. Increase the dollar. I, I don't want to talk. I don't know about that. But what I, what I can say is this, without a shadow of a doubt, we gotta do a better job at convincing. Rep- Republicans and those who voted for Donald Trump once and again. If not, we lost yet again. Today was a good day, but we will lose in the future if we're not serious and we don't and we don't rethink our strategy. You don't think the op, you don't think the Republicans, the conservatives, are, are thinking of ways to get our people? Why are we ain't doing that for them? We need to convince more people to come to our side and not just be happy that we got what we won today. I don't want to just win the win the battle, but don't win the war. Be smart, kid. Be smart. Alright, this is the No Self-Control Podcast. Uh, this is basically all about the 2020 election. It's not just about that. It's about us as the American people. Um, we should be uniting, as Joe Biden said. This is about unity. This is about all of us coming together. And realizing no matter what we do, we're on this ship together. And if it goes down like the Titanic, we all go down together. Because frankly, we're stronger together. We're more united together. And if we are serious, we can accomplish anything because we're the American people. We're strong. We're smart. We're capable. We went to the moon. We, we, We do great things. That's what America's known for. But we've walked away from that, and we're better than that. We're stronger than that. We have the opportunity to rethink and to challenge ourselves, to embrace the 21st century and change the face of the world within four years by putting ourselves in the right direction. 
I think we are strong. I think we're smart. I think we're more than capable. But I think today and the series of days that came before it were a good first step. So I thank you, Roy, for allowing me to speak. And uh, go dogs. No problem. This is an L Self-Control Podcast. Have a good night.